This morning we're continuing our series uh, titled Sent and uh, just talking about, you know, Jesus and what, what he uh, wants for our lives and, 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 and how uh, he's teaching us to live, to act, and, and as Matt said a few weeks ago even, how, how to go. So some of you may know I work at Park University. Uh, I lead the uh, advancement team for the university. So I have a team of folks and we focus on uh, keeping our alumni engaged and then primarily you know, fundraising. We raise support for scholarships for our students, faculty, things like that. Well, we have student workers each semester, sometimes for a whole year. So our student worker this year, his name is Juan. And uh, Juan is just an amazing guy. He's actually working uh, on a master's degree now uh, in healthcare. And uh, just, you know, it's fun because we get to know these students and, and, and Juan is an international student. We have a lot of international students on our campus. And um, I, was, I was going through the hall the other day and, and I, I noticed uh, on a poster, a bulletin board, it said International Bible Study. And so I stopped and I was looking at it. And down at the bottom, the email, it was Juan's email. And, and we hadn't had that conversation. So I went back and was in the office and started talking to Juan. I said, Juan, is that, is that your Bible study? And, you know, it's not mine, but I'm, I'm, I'm leading it with a friend. And we're, we're trying to start it specifically to get international students engaged. Because um, as we all know, um, you know, our country is, is primarily Christian, right? And a lot of countries aren't. And so he wanted to create an environment and, and, and foster that in, in other students and, and folks just like him. Well, as I talked to him more about it, he said he just has such a passion and he wants to do this because he never heard of Jesus or saw a Bible until he was 18 years old. 18 years old. was no, uh, no exposure to that. He came from a town in, in, in the north side of China. And that really, that just really hit me because I have to remain so grateful that, that I was raised in the church, right? That we live in this country where it's, it, it's, it's easy to get a Bible. It's easy to have one. There, there's no laws or rules or anything against it. It's common. My parents are here today, and, and I promise you right now, they're worried a little bit that they're not at church back at home, Right? Because you're supposed to be there, right? But they're here today with us, so that's good. But church was always important. And, and Sunday wasn't for sleeping in. And so I just, I just can't help but be moved by Juan, you know, just this fire, this absolute fire he has for Jesus. And, and he just found out about it like three or four years ago. And so it makes me think, how do you become this follower and devoted so quickly if you haven't been exposed. And the beauty of Jesus, the absolute beauty of Jesus is that it only takes a moment for your heart to turn forever. It only takes a moment for your heart to turn forever. So even though I was raised in the church and you know, was baptized, I think I was in junior high, and did all those things, it didn't really become real to me, and I've shared this before until college, and, and I, I think I took a lot of things for granted in, in being a Christian and what that meant and, and living for Jesus and was going through the motions, trying to look Christian. Well, this morning in the, in, in the passage we're going to read, in Jesus' words, he's addressing uh, the Pharisees, and, 
And they were the absolute best at times at going through those motions of religion. And they were, they were scholarly. They were educated. And they leaned on that quite a bit. They leaned on that sometimes, I think, as a, it, it probably, I think, to even Jesus, seemed like a crutch for that lack of love and that lack of, of faith. And so today we're going to read and see where Jesus calls them to the carpet a little bit and takes that old law to task. And, and you know it had to have rocked their world a little bit because you see the Pharisees were winners. They were used to being right and winning. They were confident. And you know, it should impact us a little bit too because at the end of the day, a lot of times in our life, we're not that much different from those Pharisees. We're not that much different. And Jesus, it was a simple challenge. And just like he's, he's challenging us still today, and it's love. It's love. If you would, stand with me as we uh, read out of God's word and, and Jesus' words this morning. It's Matthew 22, 34 through 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for, for your word. God, for the truth that it brings to our lives. God, this is, this is a scripture, this is a concept, this is an idea that, that we've heard in the church many times. God, but I pray this morning that we can all be moved in some new way to, to understand what it is to love with every part of our being. God, to love you and God, to love others. God, move, move amongst us. We invite you to join us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So how do we love like no other? A couple weeks ago, uh, Matt touched on, you know, his message touched on this, this theme that stretches the clock across the Bible of, of how God and Jesus ask us to go, take action. And, he, and Matt also pointed out that he never expected, you know, God doesn't expect perfection out of anybody in order for us to go. So there's really no more excuses, but we still spend a lot of our life uh, looking for those excuses. So we see in this passage, I think, that Jesus, again, is just making this so simple for the Pharisees, again, who, in a lot of ways, we, we tend to to act like them. So love like we've never loved before. Love is not, it's not just an emotion. It's not a moment in time. It's truly a, it's a way of life. If we're going to love God with our heart, soul, and our mind, then it's, it's impossible, I believe, for others not to see who we really are in God. It's about transparency. When we, when we become loved, there is nothing else for others to see at all but God. And of course, we're going to mess up. 
I mean, it's inevitable. We're going we're gonna to make mistakes. We're going to fall. We're going to make bad choices. But if we're investing ourselves in God, we also understand that importance of repentance and that importance of God's love that comes back to us no matter what when we ask for that grace. So in the scripture, it says, love with all your heart. What does it mean? What does it mean to have heart? And I was thinking about this, and I think a lot of times we hear it an analogy maybe is, is somebody having heart is, is sports, right? Somebody, you know, they're behind by 20 points and, and they show all this heart and they come back and they, and they win the game. You know, that's, you know, that's, that's one analogy. Another one, uh, for whatever reason, God had me thinking, and, and I've shared some of this story with you all before too, about my friend David, an example of tremendous heart um, to me. And David was a friend of mine in college, and, and he met uh, Rachel, and, and they were this amazing couple, and we served together in, in some of the campus ministries, and, and David, they, they, they got married at, right after they got out of college, and they had been married for just a little while, and, and Rachel was on the phone. They lived just out by Blue Springs. She was on the phone talking to her mom, driving to work, and she got off the phone because it was raining pretty hard, and there was a lot of traffic. And... A car merged on, and, and, and she had to move over quickly, and the car hydroplaned, and it went into the median, into the concrete median, which in most instances is, is designed that, that you would probably glance off of it. It's not going to be great, but there was an issue there with a particular median, and, and her car essentially from full speed came to a dead stop, and, and she was killed. She was killed in that accident uh, one month to the day of their wedding. One month. And, and I think about, I think about that, at that being at that funeral and, and just the heart that, that her family showed. Her dad was able to get up there and, and speak about his daughter and speak about God. Her siblings got up there and they, and they spoke about their sister, but they spoke about God. And David got up there, and it's still a little tough. You can tell for me to talk about it, but he got up there, and and of all, I can't even imagine doing it for one. But he was able to stand up there, and he said, "I want you all to know, first and foremost, that I thank God for the one month that He gave us. I thank God that I even met her." got to know her. I thank God that, that he brought us together in marriage even for just a month. And to me, that's what it means. Still to this day, I'm challenged by that of, do I have a heart like that for God? Because when we give our heart to Jesus fully, we have to mean it. He wants all of it, not, not just on Sunday, not just this morning, and not just when the times are hard like it certainly was for David. Jesus wants to be our heart. He wants to be our heart. So if we love with our heart, Jesus says, love with all of your soul. Well, the soul, is the, it's the core of who we are, right? No matter what. And not that our heart or our mind is any less important, but I... I feel like, to me, the condition of our soul is the most evident when it, and it relates to how we love God and how we follow Jesus. Do we take enough time? 
to focus on the condition of our soul. Because I think we can live in such a hurry. I'm always in a hurry. Always. Always in a hurry. And I'm just guilty of it. And we, I want to get something done and move on and get to the next thing and, and whatever that is. And I can even remember... I think back, and I wanted to be out of high school, and you know, get to the end, and it, it's fun. But I wanted to be out, and I wanted to go to college because I was going to get a, a fancy car and, and all this and that. And now, if I didn't ever have to have a car again, I'd love it because I hate spending money on them. I'd rather somebody drive me around or walk or whatever. And you know, I never thought I'd find myself saying, "Man, I'd like to go back," because that was awful easy. <laughs> you know, when you think back to, to being younger and how how simple things were, and. I think at some point we, we have to have that mentality and, and slow down a little bit in order to take a look at our souls. And we have to know the condition of our soul before we can love with all of it. There's no way to love with all of it until we know where we stand. I'm reminded of a, of a saying we hear often that you'll really find out who you are when, when no one's looking. And I think the same thing, I mean, I think that really applies to the soul, that the condition of our soul is, is business to be conducted only with God. It's only with God. No one else has any control over your soul. It's you and God. And this challenged me to, to think a little bit. And, and so what happens when times get tough, right? What, what happens when times get tough? What is that response? What is my response? And a lot of times it's probably just hurry up. And I was challenged to think about, and I was reminded of, of all things, um, some wise words out of one of my daughter's books. We have kids' books all over our house all the time. It's a book called Little Blue Truck. I don't know if some of you, if you have kids. Oh, there he is. There he is right there. So the story about the little blue truck, um, really the, the main part of the story in the middle of the book, so he's got all his friends, right? And, and, but there's this big yellow dump truck. And then the dump truck in the story is, is saying, you know, I don't, I don't have time to mess around with everybody along the way, right? I'm, I'm in a hurry. I'm, I'm big and I'm important. And, and in, the, in the book, he He's, he's flying, and he goes around the corner, and he tries to swerve the mud puddle, and, and his big, important wheels get stuck. His big, important get, wheels get stuck, and I think it's they're sunk down deep in the mud and the mire. And, he, and the dump truck says, honk, and he sounded scared. And nobody heard, or maybe nobody cared. And it's, it's, it just struck me that how we can, we can feel that way sometimes, right? We can be in this big hurry that whatever I have going on in my life, everybody get out of the way. I'm coming through. And then what happens is we get stuck because we're trying to do it on our own. We're trying to do it with, without God. And then all of a sudden, we forget about God too and say, does anybody care? Is anybody listening? And that's absolutely when we have to think about that, that condition of our soul, no matter what's going on, no matter what's happening in our life, we have to choose to press our soul into Jesus because he does care. And he is listening always. 
The nature of and condition of that soul, it absolutely defines our life on this earth and beyond. And it, it, at times when you hear that, it feels like, it feels to me like a lot of pressure. But I don't think it is because if we choose to love Jesus with all of our soul, our soul will be healthy because it's in the truth. We don't have to worry about it. It's, it's in the truth. I read some words by a pastor and an author that stated it was, it is well saying that our loving with our heart is about affection and loving with all of our soul is about devotion, being devoted. So if we, if we challenge ourselves to, to, to look into our souls and, and examine that and, and we talk about how do we love with all of our heart, so how do we love with all of our mind? This one is, I'll say, is I think could be multiple sermons. Uh, one's better addressed by Cody, uh, just because uh, the power of the mind and how that plays into what we do as people, as Christians, is, is tremendous. It, it, the mind is the most powerful thing in this living world. We think about it, and, and the way the human mind continues to, to develop things and changes the way we live and, and creates technology and the way we interact and whether we, whether we believe that all that minds have create, helped create in the world, it's still, it's undeniable, the ability to reason. Nobody else on the planet, no other animal, no other creature can think and reason the way we can, the way we've been given the ability to do. And you see, the mind, it leans on the strength of our hearts and our souls to make decisions every day. It's all tied together. You know, that's, that's why Jesus is, is, is threading this all together. So, when you think about, your, maybe you're at work, you're around the, the water cooler. I don't know if that analogy is still. <laughs> Are there water coolers? I don't know. Um, but you're standing around at work, whatever, whatever's going on, and, um, you know, somebody's, somebody's talking about some other coworker. Are you going to join in or, or choose to, to walk away? And what if, you, what if you're walking down the street and you can see somebody that's just having this bad day and you, and you feel like, man, I need to speak some kind of encouragement. Just, just slow down for a second and say something. Will we say it? Will we take that moment to say it? And see, I think these are matters of the heart and they're matters of the soul. But the mind is what puts that into action, right? Our mind is the one that puts it in action to say, no, I'm not. I'm going to walk away. Or no, I'm going to say something. I'm going to speak encouragement. Our mind drives these words which carry power. Proverbs 18 and 21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Matthew 12 and 34, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. God gave us the ability to love, which gives us the ability to believe in how we are made, and he wired us to need to share life with each other. And one of the main ways that we share life with each other is through our words. Through our words. It's what we say. Sometimes it's what we choose not to say. 
Our words are manifested in our minds, which is driven by the heart. And you see, we just can't, we can't love God the way that we should love God with just one of these. That's why Jesus says he wants all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. It's the only way it'll work. So he, he throws this out as, as this greatest commandment to the Pharisees, and, and he follows it up and says the second. And uh, <laughs> I like, I don't know. I don't think Jesus was kind of like a smart aleck, but sometimes I, I like to think that he could be or something. Um, but he's like, well, second one's just like it, just as important, and that's to love, love your neighbor. And this can be a challenge in our lives, right, to love our neighbor. And neighbor's not in the sense of the person that lives next door. Um, trust me, we're challenged a lot at our house. We got a lot of barking dogs next door. Man, man, that's hard to love when you're trying to sleep. But neighbor in the sense of those sitting next to us here, those we, we go to work with, those, you know, anybody that's not you is, uh, is your neighbor. And, and we can all have these reasons we feel like that we want to choose not to love, that our neighbor doesn't look just like me, doesn't act like me, chooses to paint their house bright pink. Maybe at work, they con- you know, they constantly click in their pen in the meeting Whatever. Anything that gets on your nerves, think of it. Think of, it, think of something like that. Yep. Jesus says you got to love them. Got to love them too. Every single one of them. Because there's something I do every day that somebody doesn't like, and they're choosing to love me, right? That's, that's, that's the golden rule, right? Loving your neighbor as you would want to be loved. And I don't think we should take it lightly. And it is difficult, and we, especially sometimes, we have a hard enough time really loving those we call our family. So on top of that, Jesus says, you got to love your neighbor. Why? Why is this so important? Why is this so important that the, he's telling these Pharisees, these are the two greatest commands, and why is it so important to love your neighbor? It, it's stated eight different unique times in the Bible. And in this passage, Jesus states it as a command and ties it directly to loving God with our heart, soul, and mind. Well, I think it's, it's important and it's repeated because have you ever had to repeat anything in, in your life with, you know, again, whether it's, whether it's you know, maybe at, at work and there's an assignment or I, I think certainly at home, especially where we're at in our life having, having young kids, um, can you please pick up your room? You know, can you pick up your books? Stop putting your tongue on the window. <laughs> Keep your fingers out of your nose. So these are things that are repeated often at our house. I'm serious. I do not know why you need to put your tongue on the window. But it's apparently a lot of fun. <laughs> and we have to repeat them, Crystal and I do, because we know that there's associated behavior that's hard to break, and I get tired of cleaning the window. And God knew it was difficult for us to love each other. He knew that. And Jesus is once again making it very clear how important this command is to our spiritual well-being. That's why it's repeated. That's why it's this idea 
of love beyond anything for God and for each other is, is all throughout the Bible. And then, and then Jesus says again to the Pharisees, everything, everything hangs on these two commands. Uh, again, a few weeks ago in, in Matt's message, he was talking about the, the number of laws. And, uh, and there can be differing numbers, but we, we know in the old law there were more than 600 commandments. And of that was the Ten Commandments were a part of that. And, you know, many of those were the don't do's, but there were also a lot of them that were the do's. And Jesus says in front of these Pharisees and, and, you know, and these very wise people in the law that these 600 plus laws now are all folded up nice and neat into these two. Now, he never says they're gone. They don't go away. They're not uh, wiped off the map. But I like to think that, you know, that Jesus is like, yeah, just fold that all up real nice and neat. They're important, but we're going to tuck them right inside of these two. Nothing more. He says essentially that nothing is more important right now in this moment than loving God with your heart, mind, and soul and love your neighbor. It's no different than if Jesus were here right now this morning. It's the exact same message. The exact same message. And you know what? (laughs) I think you have to believe that this probably sounded ridiculous to the Pharisees. When, When you think about how this old law was so ingrained and this roadmap that they had been following through generations and this had been, had been passed down. And, and here comes this young, I mean, I, I, in many cases, you know, he would, Jesus still would have been considered young. This young, long-haired, hippie-looking guy, claiming he's God, shows up and says, ah, don't worry about, let, let's not worry about those 600 laws that, that, that your families have been following for generations. More love is the answer, right? I mean, it's like, it reminds me of like the 60s, right? Love's the answer, everybody. I mean, they, they probably really maybe felt that way because if you think about just their whole life, it hung on, we've got, a, we've got all of these commands and, and these rules and, we're, and we're, we're a follower of God because we're smarter than the guy next to us. No, you gotta love more. You gotta love God more. You gotta love each other more. More love is the answer. <laughs> it really is. And I think, I think we can see that right now in our own country. Maybe more than, more than ever. That we need more love and, and less hate. And that our neighbors are not that different from us. I don't care where they come from. I don't care what language they speak. I don't, it doesn't matter. They're not that different. You know why? Because God made them. God made them just like he made me and he made you. We're not that different. And he gave us the ability to love. And it's up to us whether we wanna wanna take these reminders and pursue after it. And at the end of the day, if you want to take one thing with you, we have to stop putting our tongues on the window and start loving more of those around us. 
So as we, as we close this morning, I just kind of want to go back to, to the dump truck. I think I dream about these little kid books even. I read so many of them. So we're this dump truck, you know, speeding out of control, and, and we wonder why when we get in trouble and we've not been paying attention to anything else going on around us, and we think, is anybody going to hear us? Is anybody going to care? God always hears. God always cares. We may not get the answer or the result that we believe was best, but be assured that God will deliver what he believes is best. What he believes is best. My friend David had every reason, every reason to give up on God and say, why me? Why did you take her from me so soon? But he chose to say thank you for giving me the time that you gave me. And David to this day continues to choose, to choice, to move closer to God and continues to grow in his faith and is an amazing example to me. So as we get ready to, to close in worship, I'll ask Nathan number one, wherever he is, <laughs> to, to come back up. Let's, uh, I just, I just want us to all be challenged to examine our hearts, challenge ourselves with that true condition of our soul. Where do we stand? Let God remind you this morning to choose love so that you can share love. Next weekend, as Cody said, the uh, going to be baptisms. It's always a, an awesome time. We're going to fill the tub. I'm going to fill the tub. You know, it's, I, I'm always reminded, too, of, 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 of a fam, you know, family story. Of um, We grew up in a, in a small town and uh, talking about, you know, way back that there was times where they went out and uh, broke the ice in the pond to do a baptism. It's true. And uh, I bet they didn't get sick. You know, um, but I just, uh, th- that's always a, an exciting time. And, and if you want to start, you know, if you want to start your journey and, and take that step, uh, I promise the water won't be that cold. Um, might be a little chilly, but it won't be that cold. But if you want to start this journey with Jesus, if you want to love with your heart, your soul, and mind, take that outward step in baptism. Be immersed in the water just like Jesus was. Show God and the world that you're listening and you're serious about the condition of your soul. If it's on your heart this morning, talk to me afterwards. Talk to, talk to Cody if you, wanna, if you just want to know more and what this means. And, and there's no greater time. There's no greater time than the present. Jesus is the starting point in the journey for loving with your entire heart, soul, and mind. And there's no better way to love your neighbor than to put on Jesus and show your love for Jesus.